Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. My name is Andrea Armeni. I am the Executive Director of Transform Finance and the convener of the Transform Finance Investor Network. And I'm delighted to invite you today for this conversation on filling the solar gap in low-income communities, where we'll be looking at the very innovative model that Posigen has uh, developed. Uh, we're going to try today a slightly different format from the usual, in which uh, Aner Benami, Managing Director of Candide Group, intimately familiar with Posigen, will be doing the usual framing, and then we'll turn it over to Tom Nyhart, the CEO of Posigen, who has very kindly agreed to join us today. Very quick uh, update for the members of the Investor Network and a warm welcome to them and to all the guests that are on this call today. Uh, we'll be having the next webinar on uh, the Opportunity Zones under the new tax code with Franz Siegel from the U.S. Impact Investing Alliance on March 29th. We'll be exploring the potential for Opportunity Zones to really do something positive for um, undercapitalized communities and some of the risks that seem to be inherent in the model as it currently stands. So look out for an invite to that and feel free to reach out in advance if you have any particular interest or ideas to add to that session. And um, lastly, uh, Anair and I had the pleasure of doing an um, opening plenary at the Latin American Impact Investment Forum where we presented uh, a, an overall, overall framework for connecting the values of transformed finance to an impact management uh, methodology. And we'll have a forthcoming piece soon that we'll be very excited to share with you. So with that, I will turn it over to Anir Benami, founding member of the Investor Network and uh, um, uh, managing director at uh, Candide Group, who has graciously agreed to, um, to help us contextualize a little bit the need in low-income communities and the opportunity for, uh, for solar. Thank you, Anair. Over to you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Andrea. Um, yeah, as Andrea mentioned, uh, I'm Anair Benami with Candide Group. We, we work with families and foundations and help them deploy capital in support of a sustainable and just economy. We, you know, we work across asset classes, investing in funds and direct debt and equity. In general, we apply a social justice or social equity lens across uh, sectors and geographies. and um, so sort to provide uh, a little bit of context in terms of what, how we look at, at, the, at, at the clean energy sector, what, what do we mean by applying a social equity lens to that sector, and how we see Posigen fitting into that landscape. Um, so, yeah, what, you know, when we look at clean energy um, and clean energy in the U.S., what, what do we mean by applying a social equity lens? Um, or what some people refer to as a just transition framework. Uh, essentially, we sort of start from the premise that the transition to a clean energy economy is, you know, is, is sort of underway. It's, it's happening. It will continue to accelerate. And when a massive transition like this one happens, occurs, it obviously creates tons of economic opportunities for, for new companies and investors to, to generate wealth. And it also creates a lot of you know, economic displacement uh, on the other hand. Um, so we essentially try to ask the question and look at who is benefiting uh, from that transition, who's being left behind. And you could probably think of sort of three stakeholders, three groups 
customers, workers, and investors or, or asset owners. Um, on the customer side, you know, we look at who is benefiting from uh, uh, you know, the, the economic savings uh, from going associated with going solar, and is it just homeowners? Is it just customers with really high FICO scores, or or are we reaching uh, you know more marginalized or lower income communities? Um, on the on the workers side, uh, you know, obviously with with this transition, there's a huge jobs story that we you know we like to as a solar industry likes to obviously talk about and the um, over the last uh, there's a, a data point here over the last five years the um, solar industry uh, jobs uh, have grown by 16 percent uh, per year or nine times faster than the US economy as a whole so uh, a, lot, a great job story but again we kind of look at well where are those jobs going are they equitably distributed are they are they all going to certain parts of the country? Are they quality jobs that offer, you know, real opportunities to uh, generate wealth and and and, and asset ownership? Um, kind of the second uh, piece we look at, and then on the investor side, you know, this is as an asset class, um, solar and clean energy in general, as a, you know, as a, as a, as an investable asset class that is lucrative for asset owners. Um, are there opportunities there for communities to participate in the financial gains associated with with these projects? Um, this is another lens that we've we've taken over the over the years. Um, and so, looking at kind of the state of the industry now, um, and so how are we sort of doing in terms of inclusion and and democratizing access or or, or the kind of the benefits of of this uh, energy transition? Uh, the story is not great. Right, to be honest. So, in terms of the, on the customer side, um, if you look at you know the fact that about 40% of U.S. households earn less than $40,000 a year, but they account for less than 5% of the solar installations uh, in the country. Right. So, disproportionately, um, solar systems are being installed with with more affluent um, uh, customers and, and and households and are not reaching. Um, Families that are less than fifty or forty thousand dollars a year, and that's sort of particularly um, a shame because if you think about who needs the uh, those those savings and who who would benefit most from the savings associated from going solar, you know, not surprisingly, it would be those lower income families. So you, when you consider the energy burden or the percent of a, a family's income that goes towards uh, paying their, their utility bills on average, or uh, I think the median low-income uh, household across the country spends about 5% of their household income on, uh, on utilities versus less than 2% for a non-LMI um, household. And uh, this chart here on the slide, for those of you seeing the slide, uh, shows the uh, those numbers for the four metro areas with the highest energy burden in the country. So, in some, so I mentioned the the median across the country is about five percent of household income for lower income families that goes towards utilities. In some in some metro areas, it's more than ten. It's north of ten percent. Um, 
and uh, and on this list here, the number four on the list is is uh, New Orleans, which uh, obviously is a market as you'll hear about where where Posigen is very active. So the uh, the the median low income household in New Orleans spends uh, about 10% of their income on on uh, utility bills. Uh, and so obviously the benefit of going solar would be you know that much more meaningful to to those households. Um, and sort of why, you know, if you wonder, you know, well, why has the industry uh, not done better reaching those, a uh, better job reaching those households? It's it's generally uh, kind of two barriers, right? Home ownership um, and credit scores. Um, if so, home ownership, um, for obvious reasons, residential solar systems are not uh, have not are not uh, accessible unless you own your your home, um, and which obviously disproportionately impacts lower income households. Uh, I think the, the, the stats are that a, uh, um, about 50% of families earning less than $40,000 a year are renters versus 20% in with non-LMI households. So uh, that's 50% of, of that market that is excluded from the solar residential solar market just by virtue of not uh, being homeowners. But even within homeowners, um, for homeowners, uh, many are still being excluded uh, because of sort of the way that our residential systems are sold and or, or, or financed, uh, right? And, and, and financing solar loans and solar leases are really only being offered to, to, to customers with very high uh, FICO scores. The, the, the chart uh, here on this page uh, shows the um, uh, 10 solar securitizations uh, for solar loans and leases and, and the average FICO scores associated with each of those. Um, and so, so the, the lowest average FICO score here was 728 uh, and, and it goes all the way up to seven, uh, north of 760 FICO score in some cases. And I, I, believe, the, I believe the minimum uh, threshold for the Pretty much all the lenders or uh, lease providers in, in the residential solar space is uh, 680 or 670. I believe is the is the floor uh, under which you just wouldn't wouldn't qualify for financing for a solar system. Uh, and switching gears and looking at the kind of the job side of the the story. So again, great um, story for the industry. There's more than 250,000 people working in the solar industry in the U.S. Uh, but as we look at how those jobs are distributed across the country, and you know, we see that they are fairly concentrated in, in, in kind of the large active solar markets. And um, this chart um, looks at data from the Solar Foundation. It's um, uh, it's the ratio of solar workers to the total workforce in in, in every state. So what that means is, in California, uh, one end of the spectrum, there's a, a, a solar worker in the state for every 200 people or 198 people in the in the overall workforce in California. On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you look at a state like West Virginia, uh, there's a solar worker for every 2,219 uh, people in, in the workforce. So obviously, those uh, you know some of those states that have been um, most affected or hurt by the energy transition. Um, as, as, as a former uh, coal state uh, or coal state like West Virginia is, they're they're generally not the ones that are seeing the uh, the 
growth on the on the benefit on the on the on the job side either. Um, and this this next slide was, uh, kind of looks at that data from a in a slightly different way, but um, again, if you look at the total solar um, workforce in the U.S., 250 260,000 people, 40% of those are or almost 40% of those are in California. Right? So certainly not not uh, very equitably distributed across the country. Um, so then switching gears to some of the solutions, right? Well, how, how do we spread those benefits uh, more equitably? Uh, you know, community solar is a, is a strategy that some of us are very excited about, obviously with community or shared solar strategies, um, because the, the system is not going on a, on a, on a, on a rooftop. Uh, it can be sold to um, uh, non-homeowners, to renters. Uh, theoretically, it could be sold to lower-income households because, um, you know, if a if the customer is not paying, is is not current on their community solar payments, uh, they can be pretty easily swapped. Right, you don't have to go in and take out the system. You just swap a non-paying customer with a with a new one, and uh, it should it should make for a uh, a better system or, or a more bankable way to 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 um, Serve lower income households, and that and that uh, uh, and that market is really taking off. Um, you know, we there's I believe about three gigawatts under development. Um, the estimates are it's going to be a 500 megawatt a year market as of next year. Uh, it's a really exciting big market. Uh, unfortunately, what we're seeing is that it has not been very inclusive. Uh, it's not yet really showing signs of being very inclusive. Most of these projects are. Being built around a large uh, commercial uh, anchor, and uh, in fact, most of the projects don't really even focus around residential customers at all, much less around uh, specifically lower-income customers. And what we've heard from a couple of developers is, uh, to the extent that they are trying to um, uh, serve more low-income households, the the financiers, the the project financiers, the project investors are dis Discarding those projects significantly and so really disincentivizing the developers from selling systems to or selling the, the power to uh, low-income households. Um, and there are, you know, there are some local efforts in place uh, in uh, across several states to try to incentive to, to, to correct that or to to, um, to incentivize more of these community solar projects um, uh, going towards uh, lower-income households. There's, there are state carve-outs in some cases, uh, although those carve-outs generally have not had a uh, kind of a financial incentive, and so they, they're sadly not being uh, necessarily fulfilled. But there, there, there are a couple of, there's, um, uh, there's a SunShot Award, a $5 million SunShot a DOE Award for, for lower-income uh, community solar projects. Um, but what we're seeing is, in general, I think these are incentives that are still you know, few and far between, and are and and make for a fairly complicated project, right? So if you look at something like this, uh, a a, uh, a recent project in the in Denver that the Denver Housing Authority put together with Grid Alternatives and Namaste Solar, a two megawatt project serving lower income households, uh, the complexity there around navigating um, uh, several incentives, the fact that it was a PPA that had to be signed with the Denver Housing Authority, I can I can only imagine how how long that project uh, took to, to, to put together. 
Um, and so kind of switching gears here to positive and before I turn it over to, to Tom and, and, and in that context, what we you know, thought was really interesting about the, the positive model is um, you know, it, it's really taking the residential solar approach um, and, and redesigning the process, redesigning the, uh, the business model to, um, to really align with the needs of this segment, of the LMI segment, it's, it's business model innovation and bringing costs down to, uh, to be able to uh, serve that segment profitably and, and at scale. Uh, so I, you know, I won't get into too much of the, the innovation here because you know, Tom will, will, will get into that, but things like a standardized uh, one-size-fits-all system design or the way they sell um, the way they sell through community partners and bring down customer acquisition costs, the way they pair energy efficiency with solar installations, which is pretty much unique in, 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 in this industry. And then most, probably most radical or maybe the most radical kind of departure from the uh, conventional resi solar approach is they, um, they don't run a credit check, right? So um, they offer a, a, a lease without really relying on, on a FICO score or a credit check, um, which in turn means that they don't have access to the third party financing that other installers can use, right? So they can't partner with the lease providers and the loan providers in the, in the market because those, uh, all of those models are predicated on, on, the FICO, on FICO scores, as, as mentioned above. So uh, they, you know, it, that's, as, as Tom will, will, uh, will sort of discuss in more detail, uh, it really means that they've had to kind of build their own alternative eco, ecosystem, sort of full solution in-house, uh, which then ironically means that, uh, you know, like I, I referred earlier to um, in, incentives and subsidies that are helping uh, develop projects aimed at lower income uh, communities and households. In the case of Posigen, if anything, what's interesting is they've had to uh, pursue this strategy not only, uh, not only without um, subsidy, but really with a cost of capital that's quite a bit higher than what their peers in the market have access to because they're not able to partner with those, uh, with those existing third-party uh, financiers. So interesting, I mean, you would generally think that, oh, you know, if you're serving uh, a model like grid alternatives where you're selling solar to lower income communities, it's a nonprofit model or it's a subsidized model. In this case, again, not only is it not subsidized, it's arguably being done with, uh, with a significantly higher cost of capital in, in, in general. And, and, and then what's, you know, worth highlighting, this is, it, 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 it's a model that has gained quite a bit of traction. So about 12,000 systems to date, Roughly, we'd estimate they're uh, probably a top 15 installer in the country, which is remarkable um, uh, if you take into account the fact that they're really only selling in a couple in a couple of states in Louisiana and Connecticut, and really focused on this LMI segment. So 65% of their customers have incomes uh, under $50,000 uh, a year, um, and uh, a median FICO score of uh, about 640, so about 100 points lower than uh, you know those other systems I, I in, that I we shared earlier with the uh, securitized uh, transactions. So I'll uh, um, I'll hand it over here to, to Tom and just uh, 
take the quick moment for the uh, requisite uh, disclosure, which is that even though we're here to share our support of Posigen, none, none of this should be taken as individual investment advice uh, for any for any individual listening um, to, to this conversation. Uh, but uh, with no further ado, I think I'll, I'll hand it over here to, to Tom. Great, thank you so much, Amir, for the context setting. Uh, extremely insightful as um, as always. And uh, yes, with that, I will welcome Tom Nyhart, who is the CEO of Posigen. Um, Tom, I've uh, switched over the controls to you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the introduction, and uh, of course, Andre. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the webinar. I uh, look forward to discussing our model and, and talking through some of the challenges that we've had. You know, I, I usually start off most of these conversations with, you know, the way we looked at the solar industry seven years ago when we got into this business. And, you know, what we saw was that poor people were paying taxes so rich people could have solar. Um, that's kind of a dirty little secret of the industry, and, and people don't like to talk about it, but it's the truth. Uh, we went to one particular state that has a great renewable portfolio standard that is charged on every single utility bill, and we did analysis of it. We sat down with the, their green energy group and said, do you realize that the LMI community, which does not have access to solar and, and very limited access to the energy efficiency programs that you have, will have paid $290 million into your fund by the end of this year with almost no access whatsoever? Um, and their first response was, have you told anybody else this? Uh, uh, we had not, but we, we talked about how do you democratize solar? How, how do you take it to the communities that need it the most? Um, you know, if you take a look at where everybody's selling, as you can see in the upper left-hand picture, those of you that uh, don't have up the, the webinar, nice, beautiful mansion with probably, you know, 30 uh, kilowatts of solar on its roof, a nice ground mount in front of its gardens, and, uh, you know, every salesperson's dream sale. Um, if you look at the other two pictures on our slide here, this is the neighborhoods that we're in. We, you know, we're in the, the neighborhoods in New Orleans and New Orleans East and Bridgeport, Connecticut, and lower-income communities that solar salespeople don't call on. Um, when you think about it, if you make $100,000 a year and you live in a nice home on the lake, you probably get uh, 10 phone calls a week from solar companies. You probably have people knocking on your door a couple times a week trying to sell you solar. If you live in a blue-collar neighborhood or a low-income neighborhood, you know, one of these neighborhoods pictured here, you don't have that phone call. You don't see solar salespeople in your neighborhood, and you don't see solar installations happening. Uh, and that's wrong. I mean, everybody needs access to the benefits of solar and energy efficiency. And so that's, when we started our company, it was how to democratize solar, how to bring those savings. So when we formed the company, we had four missions. The first mission, and of course the most important, is the point of sale. It's to have a positive financial impact into the families that we serve. The second one was to impact low-income communities by servicing enough families uh, in that community to have a difference, to, to make a, a positive economic impact. The third was to hire the same people that we were servicing. We wanted to create jobs and, and career opportunities uh, for the same customers, the, the same people in that social economic background. And then, of course, the fourth was to save the environment, to make a difference. 
And we've really, every person that comes to work for Positron, everybody that joins the team, we spend a lot of time talking about what our mission is and how we deliver the mission. Uh, you know, one of our, our favorite sayings around here is, we don't have to make every dollar, but we have to save our customer every dollar that we can. And how can we participate? How can we engage? And it's not just from the installations that we do on solar and the energy efficiency upgrades, but it's how we communicate with the customers. It's giving them tips on how to reduce their energy usage, working with them through problems, making sure that we are an energy partner and that we don't call our customers ratepayers. So when you look at the, the impact that we have, it's pretty dramatic. Um, our average customer is going to save just under $50 a month. You think about that, that may not mean a lot to the people on this phone call. And look, if, I, if you make $150,000 a year and I save you 50 bucks a month, you probably spend it at Starbucks. But if you're a single mother with three kids in school that makes $30,000 a year, $50 has a tremendous impact on your monthly budget. It goes towards essentials. You're talking about buying groceries, school supplies, things that make a difference in your family. And it's also about having some type of surety, right? Some, a little bit of energy independence. People tell me all the time that the only bill that they don't know what it is before they get it is their utility bill. Um, I had a lady that said that every time they got their utility bill, their family sat around the kitchen table and said a prayer before they opened it because it told them how much money they had to spend on essentials. We laugh about that sometimes, but think about that, that you have to pray before you open up a bill. That, that's so impactful. Um, and, and the people that have talked to us about the changes they've been able to make in their lives after Posigen. Because remember, we're selling this as a fixed flat lease payment. It doesn't go up every year as um, all of our competitors do. I don't know why my solar is supposed to be worth 60% more 20 years from now than it is today. Um, we also look at what the savings profile is for each customer. We adjust the, our spending and increasing it in, the, in a lot of cases to, to get people additional savings with that energy efficiency piece. And that energy efficiency piece is truly key. When you think about it, solar is great. It's going to produce electricity. It, you know, it's renewable, but it only goes so far. Reducing the consumption in the home by doing the energy efficiency work, it, it's, it's invaluable. It increases the savings 30 to 80%. And in some cases, you know, two and three hundred percent. We went into a 110-year-old shotgun house here in New Orleans. They were paying $469 a month during the summer to cool the house. It was a 1,300-square-foot home. Mr. Marini was confined to a bed. Um, his wife had disability problems. And we went in, put up the same solar system we put on everybody's house at $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour, got them $75 a month in savings. But when we did the energy efficiency work and we sealed up the home where we could literally see through cracks around the windows, we found that his ductwork had 70% air leakage. We sealed that up. We did some work on the plenum, the air return, replaced all his incandescent bulbs with LEDs. We put up a Granville thermostat. We did a little bit more work than we normally would, but his utility bill went down to $50. He was still paying us the same 70 bucks everybody else did. But now, all of a sudden, he had literally hundreds of dollars more in his pocket to pay for prescription drugs and the things that they needed most. So look at our customers. You know, our, our customers truly are people on fixed income, people on disability, blue-collar workers, people that would never be called upon by a, a normal uh, solar company. And it makes a difference. And it's interesting when we walk in because 
It's always about the financial impact. How can I put $50 back in your pocket, Mrs. Customer? But then it becomes more than that. So we go to, through doing the energy efficiency work, and after we do all the tests, we sit down at the kitchen table and we say, look, we're going to seal the outside of your home, and that's going to make your home more healthy, right? It's, uh, less spores, mold, water intrusion. It's going to make it more comfortable. It won't be drafty. It's going to increase the value of your home. It's going to save you electricity. And this is the things that we're going to do. We're going to put this sleeve over your hot water heater, and we're going to wrap these pipes, and we're putting this attic tenant, and we're building this relationship. And we found that it's not just about the money then. It becomes pride of ownership. People are very, very excited about being the per first person on their block to have solar. Then they come back to us and say, how can I save more energy? We get the question all the time, how do I get off the grid? Um, and that's not a question that somebody makes $30,000 a year or is on disability or Social Security ever felt like they could have. They always thought that you know, saving the planet was a conversation that Brad Pitt or Jennifer Aniston had. It wasn't a conversation that you know, Joe Smith could have. And, and there's excitement and there's a, uh, an electricity in the community as we start building out these projects. And, and it, we're really making a difference. And, uh, you know, I see it every day. The people here are so committed to what we do, and, and it, it, really, it really impacts us as a family. So I've got a little short video I want to uh, play here. Um, Andre, if you could set that up for me. Now we'll see how good our, all of our uh, electronic skills are. My name is Merry Christmas. They always get confused whether it's Christmas time or not. I said, no, this is not a joke. My name is Merry Christmas. My husband, he goes to St. Gabriel Church and they had a raffle. Mr. Christmas, Mr. Christmas, you won the solar panels. He said, what? He said, yeah, you won the solar panels. He said, oh, go inside and tell my wife, because my wife ain't going to believe me. What's exciting about today is just everybody coming in and doing their job. They changed the thermostat. They changed all my shower heads to a, a lower pressure, and they sealed all the cracks and crevices all around my doors and around my fireplace. Once you get all the leaks and cracks sealed, it'll make your light bill go down lower. So now with the solars, I think it'll be even lower. I got to save my money for, I need some new windows. <laughs> with the savings, I'll be able to put some money on the side for my grandson, fix up my house. We might be able to go take a trip somewhere. To put aside that kind of money for him, I think I would be that would be beautiful. Education is the key. So that is really our goal is to make sure that he finish school. I have one nephew that I know that would really would like to have it. He said, oh, Auntie, that's going to be good. Your light bill is going to be real, real low. Pure positive energy means to me is safe. You know, Merry Christmas there. Tremendous customer, but she epitomizes our customer base. I mean, when you think about it, um, and if you go to the next slide there, Andre, 40% uh, of our customers come from customer referrals. And think about that, not, not just what a good job we have to do with the majority of the customers to get them to feel positive about the company, but really to be able to get 40% of them to refer customers to us and then for those customers to act upon it. Because all we give is a $100 gift card for referrals. And you know, most of our competitors, they, they have programs that spend up to $1,500 for referrals, and they still get less than 10% of their business. But you know, when we look at it, 
we look at that, that savings number, we talk about how we can save our customers more money, we, we change the paradigm with our subcontractors on, you know, don't look at reducing material costs, don't look at trying to get out of the house quicker, look at increasing the amount of savings that we can get to the customer. So we literally bonus our energy efficiency subcontractors on higher levels of savings. And so when those first couple bills come in, the customers invite friends and family over to their house, and we throw a, a power party. It's like a Tupperware party, but we're literally signing people up there right on the spot to get solar and energy efficiency for their homes. And that drives down our cost and, and again, brings that continuity into the community. And that kind of leads us to this next slide. So our New Orleans case study, the slide that's up right now, shows that we have 2,774 houses in New Orleans East that we've installed solar on. There's only 31,000 homes in New Orleans East, so we've got almost a 10% penetration. And you think about what that does in the community. And this is a specific case study that we did, that the average customer of those 2,700 customers saves $52 a month. That's net savings from their utility bill, less what they pay us. That's $40,000 a year. I'm sorry, their average income is only $40,000 a year. So you're talking about saving $600 for them. That's $144,000 a month in net savings. Economists say if a low-income or moderate-income homeowner saves money, it doesn't go into 401K, it doesn't go into stocks. It's spent locally. It's spent at the local grocery store, the local pharmacy. And so that money then generates $3.9 for every dollar that's spent. $562,000 a month is the impact that we have in this low-income community. That's over $6 million a year and economic impact, driving jobs, driving reinvestment, supporting the economy, that makes a big difference. So it's not just the family, it's the community that we impact as well, and that's very important to us. The third mission is our workforce, it's our team. I mean, we hire the same people that um, we do business with. And it's interesting, I, I had this conversation with uh, one of our uh, board of directors when they were down here two weeks ago, and we were walking through and, and talking to a number of our employees most companies give an employee discount to encourage their workforce to become customers. In our case, the, the people are already customers before they come to work for us. Um, they're very excited about uh, how much they save. They want to share that with other people. They like the, the feel of the, the company, the interaction with the, the company, and so they come in and apply for us, sometimes for jobs they've never done in the past. And So 60% of our work workforce is people of color or protected classes. Um, and we really pride ourselves on, on creating a job environment, a work environment that becomes a career. We start everybody at a living wage. So minimum wage at PosGen is $12.50 an hour. We make sure that everyone has very good medical benefits, dental, vision, short-term, long-term disability, et cetera. We pay 75% of the, um, the cost of insurance for all of our employees and 50% for uh, their dependents. We also have a very aggressive 401k program. We match dollar for dollar up to a certain point and then 50 cents on the dollar after that. And one of our most exciting milestones was hitting a million dollars in savings for our employees and, and their families, which we're very excited about. And so we talk about how people come in to work for us. Uh, the girl up on the, the lady up on the, the left is Cho. She came to work for us as a front desk clerk. Uh, she decided to go into sales, became a sales team lead, decided to go over to operations, and here we are now five years later. She's the assistance operations manager for the entire state of Louisiana. Got a very successful career. She's a single mother, and um, you know we're really excited for her. Uh, 
Uh, Susan Young is probably one of the, the, the better stories that we have because it's so similar to many other of our employees. She's the youngest of six daughters that, um, or six sisters that emigrated from Jamaica. Single mother with two kids. She called up Solar City and tried to get solar because she had very high utility bills. They said that her income and her credit score wouldn't allow her to uh, participate in their program. And her sister called up and said she had seen a commercial about Posigen and that there was no credit needed and, and that they really were focused on helping families that needed it the most. She called us up. We went out there. We did uh, the assessment, signed her up, and we put up her solar system, and she, too, lived in a much older home. Now, this lady was spending you know, $350 a month in her utility bill. We went in and did the energy efficiency work. We did the solar install, and her utility bill went from $350 down to under $100. The interesting side story to this was the inspector in Bridgeport at the time didn't believe in solar, and he told her when we were installing the system and he was going through the inspection that she was wasting her money, the solar didn't work. Well, a couple months after she started saving all that money, she walked into our front door and said, you know, I've never been a salesperson before, but I think if I share my story with other people, I can help them, and I, I would like to become a salesperson for you. So we hired her, and... Uh, not only did she become a very successful salesperson, eventually a team lead, and now she's our community development director, her first customer was that inspector from Bridgeport who said he didn't believe in solar, and now he's got both of his houses signed up. He doesn't give us a break on inspections, but I still think that's awfully ironic. Um, but that's so indicative of our team. Um, you look at, at Glenn Woodall. Glenn came to work for us. He had been working as a helper on a, at another solar company came over to work for us. We went through the training program with him. He was certified as a technician. He eventually became a tech supervisor. He moved into operations. He's now the operations manager for the entire state of Louisiana. We focus on training, on providing opportunities, on setting career paths. Even in our sales group, you know, salespeople turn over fairly regularly. We have salespeople that have been with us five, six years. We have inside salespeople, and telemarketing is tough that have been with us three and four years. And people are really committed to the team and people are really committed to the mission. One of our other passions, and this is not in our mission statement, but at-risk youth. Um, so every summer we put together a at-risk youth intern program. In Louisiana, we bring in 12 at-risk youth from the surrounding area up in Bridgeport. We partner with the city of Bridgeport and we're up to 40 um, at-risk youth that we work with up there every summer. It's a six-week program. They spend half their time in our operations, going to accounting, going to legal, marketing, sales, inside sales, account management, monitoring operations, spending time in all of our departments, learning about what we do. And they spend half the time out in neighborhoods, knocking on doors, talking to people about conservation, water cisterns, solar power from uh, Posigen, and impacting the communities. At the end of every summer, we award a scholarship, and some of those interns that we had three years ago that are now graduating uh, end up coming to work for Posgen. We think that by you know, providing opportunities for the youth and, and showing them that there, there is a way out of the cycle, um, you know, we're, we're helping communities as well. What makes us special, right? You know, it's a couple things. One is the energy efficiency with the, the solar. Solar companies look at energy efficiency as cannibalizing the number of panels they can put up on the roof, um, productizing solar. You know, solar, 89% of Americans believe in solar. 
86% believe in democracy. And I guess after the Twitter campaigns, maybe even less than that. But, you know, 89% believe in it, but only 1% have it up on the roofs. Why is it? It seems like buying solar is so challenging. You don't know the price. You pay a different amount than the guy down the street did. You know, there, there's all these unknowns with solar. So we wanted to make it simple. So we sell one system size. We sell it for one price. I put this system up on your house and I put it up on your friend's house, you're going to pay me the same amount. Our value proposition is simple. It's not about we're going to try to do 90% offset or we're going to charge you this amount per kilowatt hour produced or we're going to increase your price every year by 2.9% because we're just sure that utility prices are going to go up. No, what we do is we walk in and say, Mrs. Customer, we're going to install a 7 kilowatt system on your roof we're going to come in and do a series of energy efficiency upgrades. Our goal is to take $120 a month off your utility bill and have you pay us $80 a month. So we're going to try and put $40 a month back in your pocket. It's not going to be $40 every month. In some months it's going to be more, some months it's going to be less. And hey, every once in a while we hit a home run, we might save you $160 or $180, or it might be a little bit more challenging. Well, we might only save you $90, but we give you a guarantee that in your first year, You'll save more money in your reduced utility spend than you spend with us. And that's such an easy value proposition that we close on 65% of our first visits to the customer home. We only spend $1,100 to acquire a customer. Our competitors spend between $3,500 and $6,000 for every customer they get. Our design is next to nothing. We're going out and checking feasibility because we're using the exact same design we use on every home because it's the electrical design. It's not the layout of the panels, it's, it's the electrical design. We go in with one electrical design to the permitting office and say, this is the one we're gonna use on every submission. We're just gonna move around the panels mechanically. And we have most of our uh, permitting offices, we can get a permit in either 24 to 48 hours. So we're only spending about $300 from design to permit where our, our competition, because they're designing a different system on every home, different equipment, different racking, different modules, different electrical, they're spending as much as $1,500. And then we install in a very assembly-like fashion that our installation costs are around $1.50 a watt versus $2.11 is the industry average and some as high as $2.50. So when it's all said and done, we spent about $11,000 from the time we met the customer until we finished installing it, where our competition has spent $18,000 to $21,000. So really, it's keeping that cost controlled and looking towards the future when the ITC is going to drop from 30 to 10%. We think that that is a, a great opportunity for PosGen to continue to expand its footprint and to step in where other companies will fail. And when you look at the people that have exited the space in the last uh, 18 months, the, you know, the Direct, Astrum, um, uh, Level, and some of the other ones, NRG, it was, they couldn't get their costs right spending six or $7,000 to get a customer, spending $1,500, all those numbers never worked, so they exited the space. We're just continuing to drive our costs down so we can expand in that same space. Challenges that we faced. Uh, well, back in 2011, we, we decided to, to bring all the solar installation and the energy efficiency in-house and have our own third-party lease instead of working with partners when we found out we couldn't control the uh, customer experience, we couldn't control the transaction. So we put together a great package with Novogratic and uh, Wegman Dazette and, and uh, a number of other firms and went out to the, all the, the institutional investors and said, hey, 
we're going to target low-income families. We're not going to check credit, and we would like you to sign up and give us a bunch of ITC and back leverage funding. Uh, needless to say, that uh, didn't go over very well, and we, we had uh, a very difficult time. So we bootstrapped it for the first couple years. We, uh, we went out and borrowed money ourselves. Uh, we eventually did get buy-in from U.S. Bank. They gave us our first tax equity fund back in uh, 2012, September 1st of 2012, and have done a number of deals with us since then. But every time it's fighting against this, gee, it's a great story. We really want to impact these low-income families. We think that you're helping them out. We think you're doing great. But, oh, by the way, I can't get it by my credit committee. Oh, by the way, we think that you need to pay more for your money than we do for other people. And, you know, we've been able to overcome it somewhat, and we've had help from Connecticut Green Bank. Let me tell you what, if there's ever a Green Bank that should be a model for every other one, it's the Connecticut Green Bank. They came to us. They heard about what we were doing and said, we want you to bring the PauseGen solution to Connecticut. We want to help the low-income families in Connecticut. We want solar to be available for everybody. And in fact, that's the uh, Connecticut tagline is solar for all. And they worked with us, and they helped us build a back leverage facility. They helped us with some loans. They helped us with some LMI, low to moderate income incentives. And that started to bring other people in. We seasoned our portfolio. You might have seen an article a couple months ago by Bloomberg Energy that shows that our default rate with no FICO score requirements and an average around 640 FICO, a lot of people with no FICO scores or FICO scores below 500, has a lower default rate than Tesla, has a lower default rate than Vivint, and very similar to Sunruns. So we're starting to prove out the model, but really it's still very difficult to get people engaged. When we go out to the market and we try and raise funds, we have a lot of people tell us that it's a great story, but they can't help us. Um, you know, we look to the impact investors, you know, impact on LMI, jobs, saving the environment, really making a difference. Some of our uh, key performance indicators. Oh, uh, before I do that, I, I would like to uh, ask Brandon, one of our investors with uh, the McKnight Foundation, if uh, he could say a few words. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Uh, my name is Brendan Slaughterback. I'm the program officer with the McKnight Foundation in uh, the Climate and Energy Program. Um, and we are, uh, through our impact investing program at the foundation, uh, happy to be uh, the source uh, for a loan to Posigen. And um, Tom, I think this is a, you know, this, the story you told was, um, I don't think I've heard it directly from you before, and it's uh, even more compelling, I think, than, than what we heard through our, our, our committee, our investment committee. So. Um, you know, for McKnight, uh, we're focused on um, making the Midwest a leader in addressing climate change, but our, our investment <laughs> portfolio is really nationwide um, in scope. And I think the mission of Posigen is really, uh, really well aligned with our uh, theory through our grant-making program that everyone really needs to benefit from uh, the clean energy transition. Um, and we need uh, to build really a, a, a broad base of support for that transition from, from all corners uh, of society. And so I think, um, you know, again, we're happy to be uh, partners and, and uh, uh, investees and 
um, looking forward to seeing this model grow and expand to other states. Thanks, Brendan. We had a quick question for you in terms of the uh, of the landscape that you had seen as uh, as McKnight was looking at uh, um, at Posigen. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sorry, can you repeat the question? Uh, yeah, I was asking about as you were starting to look at uh, at Posigen at the McKnight Foundation. What what did that landscape look like? Has it evolved since then? What are some of the trends and opportunities that you've seen there? Sure. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, a lot of the, I mean, from my perspective, a lot of the challenges that Tom has described around uh, making solar work for low-income households are still present. And they're, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't think they've been really well addressed in a lot of places. Um, uh, a little bit more to some extent on the energy efficiency side, but you know, still largely limited to weatherization programs and, and utility programs that probably in most places underspend uh, for low-income uh, households. So I think we're, you know, we are also looking at, when we're looking around the landscape, a lot of solutions, um, folks um, trying to look at the community solar uh, structure um, I think, again, there's a few examples of folks making that work in the low-income space, but not, um, not a lot. And uh, so I think that, I mean, hopefully this answers your question, the, the sort of unique combination of um, the low-income aspect and uh, as well as the combined solar and energy efficiency was, was really a, a compelling story for our investment committee and our board about Posigen. That's very helpful. Thank you, uh, Brandon. And uh, I wanted to encourage uh, anybody else who might have questions if you are joining us through the, um, uh, through the WebEx platform, please feel free to put them in the chat. You will see a chat link up at the, up at the top. Um, if you are calling in from the phone, I might uh, try to unmute everyone in a little bit and hopefully it won't be a disaster and uh, you'll have a chance to speak up then. Or feel free to reach out by email, andrea at transformfinance.org if you want to email me your question while you're on the phone. Um, Tom, back to you. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Brandon. And look, really, that's what boils down to, right? <clears throat> it's about funding. You know, if we had the capital, we could be in five, six states. We could, you know, impact that many more families. Um, the problem is just raising the capital. <coughs> Excuse me. When you look at our key performance indicators, you would think the capital raising would be easy. I mean, we've been EBITDA positive since uh, July of 2015. Every solar install that we do, we're cash flow positive, where our competitors are not. At 185 to 190 installations, our entire company is cash flow positive. Um, and then you look at the impact of what we do, I mean, 73% of our customers are either LMI qualified through um, some program through the state or live in uh, LMI census tracts. So we're impacting the families that, that do need it. We have a low default rate. Um, you know, if you were to, to take away the FICO score component of what we do, we would look at it as one of the healthiest solar companies out there especially for one that's fully vertically integrated, carrying our own lease portfolio, 
And we have to finance our lease portfolio of 12,000 customers. And people get the wrong impression of LMI. LMI stands for low to moderate income. It's an income level. It's not focusing on subprime. It's focusing on homeowners that really feel the, the need, are impacted the most by these savings. And, and people's FICO scores are artificially depressed for a lot of reasons. If you have a household income of $30,000 and you only have one credit card and it's continually maxed, well, you lose 100 uh, points on your FICO score for having less than whatever percentage of available credit. Um, you know, so people that have never missed a payment can have FICO scores under 600 just because of their credit program, their the amount of credit that they have use of. So, you know, I think it, that looking at people just in that one FICO box is, is not the correct way to measure where we're going to be engaged with them. And, and truly, for us, we found it's not the credit score; it's the savings. You know, for saving customers 20 bucks a month, yeah, they're they're okay payers. They're they're okay with our service. If we're saving somebody $50 a month, they're pretty good payers. But if we're saving somebody $80 or $100 a month, we're the first people that they pay. They definitely look at us as a utility replacement, and they're out in the marketplace telling everybody about the PostGen solution. And let me tell you, when we're not saving our customer money, when we've made a mistake, we've, we've uh, missed a shading on a tree, we, the house, we weren't able to do as much energy efficiency upgrades, or we've just made some mistakes along the way, they don't want to pay us. It doesn't matter if their FICO score is 350 or 850 because we're not delivering on our promise. We're not getting to them. And, you know, the majority of problems that we see is we just, we're not saving enough money or we couldn't get it done quickly enough. Um, but outside of that, you know, the majority of our customers are extremely pleased with what we do. Milestones achieved. I'm not going to spend much time on this. You know, you can see that uh, we've been installing at or above 2,000 systems every year. Um, we're working on getting funding to be able to expand our footprint and be able to take that forward. We think that uh, this coming year, it's very reasonable for us to get to about 2,500 installs, and we want to go uh, well over 3,000 installs the year after that. And again, that's going to be based on funding and, and continuing to increase our financial partnerships uh, with the people that have supported us up until now. Leadership, uh, you know, our team is a team that's committed not to coming to work and getting a paycheck, but really to the, the mission and, and how we drive it and how we impact the people. And everyone on, on our uh, senior executive team is here because of that. Um, people have come from uh, much more successful companies, at least dollar-wise, uh, to come to work for us because they really have a passion for what we do. And we've got a great team. Um, I'm humbled every day to be able to lead our group of people. Company locations, we are uh, in Louisiana and Connecticut. We're based out of New Orleans. That's our corporate headquarters. Most of our office in Connecticut are in the Bridgeport area. Um, we service part of New York out of there. We also have a solar um, thermal operation over in Lakeland, Florida, solar hot water heaters that we do with a uh, utility company over there. Um, next expansion is going to be into New Jersey, and then from there we're looking at um, Illinois, North Carolina, and a couple other uh, places. So um, we're being very strategic about where we go next. Uh, this page is not a uh, look at how great we are. It's really to talk about, you know, we've got 12,000 installations. We've got $120 million of, uh, of nominal value of a lease portfolio. We've serviced all these customers in 2000. 16, we were the you know, 1,600 fastest growing company. In 2015, we were number 57 on the Inc. 5,000. You know, we've gotten all these awards and accolades, and yet very few people have heard about us. You know, the, 
Um, telling stories about the uh, solar company focuses on low-income homeowners hasn't been in vogue lately, so uh, we've flown under the radar a, a pretty significant amount of time. Finally, uh, you know, why we do what we do, I wanted to finish with uh, one last video, so if uh, Andre can, can uh, put up this last video, I think it's very uh, powerful. It's one of our, our customers talking about the impact that we've had on his family. Last about a minute. Uh, hope you enjoy it. My name is Kevin Harris and I'm at my home. And we're here to talk about pure positive energy. My sister-in-laws, my wife's sister-in-law, everybody asks, well, where did you get that? How did you do this? What process you went through? My opinion, I'm ecstatic. They take their time, they screen their employees very well. They, they make it feel like a family-oriented business and they caulk the house, they sealed the house, they built a box for my attic so the air couldn't escape in the attic. They caulked around the toilets. They, they needed to give me a new thermostat. My wife heard about it on the commercial. She, then she came to me and said, Bay, I think this would be a good idea. I think we made a good, positive decision, and in the long run, it's going to work out for us. The savings that I'm saving on, on my energy is my vacation money. My wife can go shopping a little bit more. We can go and do a little other things. I can do a little bit more things around the house. I can help my daughter out when she needs to. It almost help you get financial free. And also it helps our city, our climate. Everything is trying to go green in order to try to help our atmosphere, our planet. So we won't destroy it as much as it's getting destroyed. Positive means pure positive energy. Um, I'd like to take any questions that anybody has and uh, uh, be more than happy to, to chat a little bit more about our business. Um, if you'd like, please uh, click on the chat uh, box in the upper right-hand corner, type in your question, and I'll be more than happy to answer it. Thank you very much, Tom. And um, here's their contact information, Tom at Posigen.com and Mike Norton is VP Finance, uh, M Norton at Posigen.com. I'm sure they would, uh, they would love to hear from you. Uh, we do have a couple of uh, questions coming in through the chat here. Um, uh, one of them uh, from, uh, from Nick Flores at Caprock, who was asking whether you have stress tested the loan portfolio and uh, how you're looking at uh, what the performance would look like in the event of a market downturn. So that's an interesting question that we get um, from people looking at um, our back leverage facility. Uh, utility bills are the first bill that's paid by utility customers. And um, we've seen even with people that have become unemployed and had financial difficulties that have called in through our um, uh, customer service, is that they're working to pay us first because we do look like a utility replacement to them. So it wouldn't be like somebody went in and bought a big screen on an installment payment agreement and they're willing to have it repossessed. Um, people don't want to have their solar panels turned off. Um, and, and the interesting thing about our program is that we, you know, we have to build that into the program, right, because we are dealing with low-income homeowners and, and people lose their homes on occasion. People do have things that happen that, that don't allow them to pay. So after three months, if a customer is unable to pay us for three months, we turn off their solar system. 
we give them three months to make payment arrangements, and we are we're very flexible and we work with people because we understand if there's been a death in the family or that they've changed jobs or, or something that's been impactful, what happens. But after those three months, if they can't do a payment program, we remove the system and we redeploy it. Now, most companies can't do that because, you know, if they sell a, a system to this gentleman over here, he, you know, he wants 34 um, uh, LG panels with a Power One inverter, and then they sell to this family over here, and they've got, they want Hyundai panels, and they want black railing, and they want a Solar Edge inverter. And so they're all custom systems. So none of our competitors remove systems, and the ones that do, they sell them at, at a, a very discounted rate to their employees. We redeploy them on the next customer's house. So when you look at six years of seasoning our lease portfolio, we're averaging about 0.43% default rate a year, but our cumulative default rate after six years is only 0.71. And that's because we're able to re redeploy the system. So they will go out of service for a number of months, but then they become revenue-producing systems again. So even when you look at a Sunrun or a Tesla um, or a Vivint, after 10 years, at a 0.3 or 0.4% default rate, they still have 3 4 5% of their systems that are no longer revenue producing. After 10 years, we'll have less than 1%. So I think that, that speaks very highly of our uh, uh, lease portfolio. But having good numbers on do LMI people default on their solar leases in an economic downturn, there's no data available because we're the first for-profit company to focus on this uh, group, this segment. Thanks, Tom. And uh, Nick, please uh, feel free to chime back in if, uh, if you'd like to. Meanwhile, uh, one question from uh, Barb Jacobs on whether there are any state policies or laws that have limited the markets uh, that Posigen uh, can or wants to work in. And uh, she references, for example, that Minnesota has uh, really high soft costs. That's a great question. Um, you know, soft costs are killer, um, especially when we go to close an ITC fund or a back leverage fund and they start looking at all the, the you know, guardrails they want to put around the fact that we don't check credit or when do we check credit and, and you know, what, what is too high of a default rate and getting people comfortable with that. I've seen transactions cost us just on the, the lenders or the ITC partners side alone, $350,000, $400,000 in legal fees. You know, I look at that and think, how many more customers could I have helped with that? We don't see a lot of state regulations that keep us from servicing customers. And in fact, what we're seeing more and more is programs focused on the LMI um, customer. And, you know, I go back to Connecticut Green Bank, and I, I know I, I mentioned them earlier. They set up a very specific program that said, look, if you're going to help an LMI customer, we're going to income qualify them, you're going to have to show savings, you're going to have to do the energy efficiency work. It's got to be a holistic solution, but in return, we'll give a, a higher incentive for um, uh, companies that are servicing that portion of the community. That's helped us in our deployment up in Connecticut. We've seen some other programs. I think there's one in Illinois, a couple other programs that are going on right now. Philadelphia is talking to us about a pilot program. We're starting to get more visibility and starting to engage in a lot more of those conversations about how do we take some of the money and, and maybe true up the fact that we haven't been servicing this community and all these dollars have been going into the more affluent communities up until now. Great, thanks Tom. And um, 
And thank you, Barb. Uh, one question from uh, from Blake Jones, the uh, founder of Namaste Solar. Uh, Blake is asking whether any of Posigen's installed PV systems are owned by the customer, or are they all third-party owned systems? The uh, majority of all of our systems are third-party owned systems. Um, you know, over the period of time, you know, we focus on marketing to the low to moderate income communities. We spend a lot of time doing community development, working with churches, um, other groups. We don't turn anyone away, so we do have customers that write us a check for their solar systems. We do have a solar loan product that's available, but cash sales and solar loans probably account for less than 3% of our business. Great, thank you. So let's try now this experiment of unmuting everyone, and then I will remute everyone. Um, oh, well, uh, Blake just saved me from that experiment by asking, uh, <laughs> uh, when, when are you next uh, raising money? Uh, yeah, we're a residential solar company, so we're raising money all the time. Um, we currently have a convertible note open uh, that we're working on raising right now. Um, we are always looking to engage with more ITC um, partners. So. You know, we've, we've done a number of deals with U.S. Bank and Capital One and GAF and some of the, the larger tax equity players. And as tax equity becomes a little bit more scarce, we've um, worked with some other groups as well. So tax equity, convertible note, um, you know, debt products, uh, we are currently in the market for all. Um, am I unmuted, Andrea? Can I yep. Um, Along the lines of uh, Nick's question earlier about the, the loan or the lease portfolio, um, how, do you, how do you see kind of the path towards the, the bankability and a lower cost of capital and kind of normalization of this as an asset class, right? Uh, uh, in terms of scale, in terms of performance and seasoning of the portfolio, like where do we, um, What's the path to getting this down to the cost of capital that um, some of the other uh, lease providers out there can can uh, access? That that's a that's a great question, Aaron. And you know, we look at at all of our buckets of money the, the same way. Our you know, one of our first deals on financing the incentives for low income homeowners was basically thirty percent, thirty six percent interest rate, and we've closed, you know, five deals since then, and now we're, you know, a LIBOR plus 450 on that particular uh, portion of our business, and it was because we kept proving out the, um, the model. With the lease portfolio, it takes people a lot longer to get comfortable with it. Um, we've got a lease portfolio with six years of seasoning. We're just now starting to get institutional investors, banks looking at saying, well, maybe this is, you know, how, how do we hedge against it, but it seems like it's a good product. We've got 12,000 leases, um, we've got six years of collection history, we've got six years of performance, and they're telling us, yeah, but you know, you need 10 years, you need to have 20,000 or 25,000, and when you get there, then you can start to take a look at a securitization. They say the, you know, the analyst in the end will forget about FICO scores, will forget about income levels if you can prove out a seasoning of 10, 15 years with 25, 30,000 leases. So we're just, you know, we're a number of years away from it. So it, it has been 
getting people involved. And also, you know, there's a benefit to it. So banks that loan to us can get CRA credits. Banks that do um, ITC funds can get CRA credits. And so we've really focused on the, the impact and the CRA aspect to get there. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still a number of years away. I, I think that we're going to struggle uh, to, to get to scale to where we want to be um, until we have that seasoning. Thanks. Um, Tom, on the, um, uh, on the investor side, uh, among, the, um, among the impact investors, what would you say is the part that has most attracted them to your work thus far? Is it the, the workers and just transition piece? Is it the uh, solar for um, lower income communities? Yeah, um, it's split. It's about half jobs. You know, people come in and, and really tour the, the facilities and get to meet the, the team members and talk to them a little bit. Um, you know, we hired a, a lady who was homeless, her and her daughter. You know, you, you talk about homeless and you automatically think the, the person living on the sidewalk. There's this very large group of the unseen homeless that are living with friends or family, and she had lost her job, and she lost her apartment, and she and her daughter were, were living with friends and family and never staying anywhere for a month, and, and she came to work for us, and she's done a fantastic job, and she's been promoted twice, and you know we were very excited when she got back into her own apartment and was able to buy a car again, and so that's very impactful. We're giving people opportunities. On the other hand, um, we've had a lot of investors come down, tour the neighborhoods, that we're installing solar on, talk to our customers, and you know, we are making a difference in people's lives. And it's you get a visceral reaction when you have somebody light up and talk about the fact that they finally have some money to be able to do this. They finally feel like they've got a little bit of control or energy independence. And I, those are the two big driving factors for us. I mean, every solar company is, is, impacts the environment. We impact it more because we do the energy efficiency work but the jobs and the communities we service, I think, are the, the big drivers for the impact investors that, that have signed up for uh, and, and have been our partners. Great. And if any of the <clears throat> impact investors uh, that are on the line and they have looked at this space want to chime in with their, uh, with their views as well, by all means, feel free to do so. Um, take the moderator prerogative to ask you one more question that is a little bit more um, off. Or, or, or out there, uh, as we've looked at this intersection of uh, just transition, the renewable energy piece and the jobs piece, the, the role of unions seems to have been a little bit all over the place in terms of uh, supporting or opposing a lot of, um, uh, a lot of the just transition initiatives that are out there. In a specific context where you, uh, where you work, has there been support on the part of the unions? Uh, uh, is it something that you're looking at or is it just uh, not an issue on your side? It hasn't been an issue um, for us. I mean, you know, our crews are very small, so it's not like we're doing large utility-scale jobs um, that would probably uh, require union uh, members to participate. Um, so we haven't really engaged uh, either you know, positively or negatively with unions uh, up to this point. Um, we'll, we'll see as we move into New Jersey. I hear there's a couple more unions in Jersey than there are in Louisiana. Great. Thank you. And a question from Kate Palmer-Dunning. Uh, since customers are leasing systems that are standardized, 
do they have access to NEM and selling the electricity back to the grid? So, you know, in, in most of the states, you, you don't get a check back, but you are able to roll over your unused um, credits towards the next month. So, um, right now in Connecticut, we have full retail net metering. In New York, we have full retail net metering. That means that when you're buying solar or when you're buying energy off the, the grid and you're selling energy back to the grid when you're overproducing, you're paying the same price and you're getting the same price. So, if it's 15 cents from the utility, it's a 15 cent credit when you send it back. Um, and that's full retail net metering. In Louisiana, we have a hybrid. The instantaneous movement of power uh, from the grid to the house or from the house back to the grid is credited at full retail. Unfortunately, at the end of the month in Louisiana, if there's an overage, let's say they had a great May, which uh, one of the shoulder months were producing a lot, um, instead of rolling that over as a full credit at retail, they reduce it down to avoided cost and they don't credit the transmission cost. So, literally in uh, Louisiana, you may sell the, or buy the power off the grid for 11 and a half or 12 cents and you're selling it immediately back, but whatever is left over at the end of the month, you only get credited for around four and a half cents. And my numbers might be a little bit off, but it's pretty close to that. So, they're not getting the ability to keep carrying that forward into months when they need it at the, the retail cost. They're, they're only getting the avoided cost. And we're going back and trying to fight that battle right now. Um, we think that the, the impact of solar is extremely positive, especially at the very low penetration rates that most states have right now. Great. Thank you. Um, Anair, any closing thoughts here or going back to any of the questions if you wanted to add on, especially in terms of uh, what, what attracted you to Posigen or Tom, any thoughts from you? Yeah, no, not for me. I think, you know, we, I uh, already kind of offered our, our context and how, you know, why, why we see this as a, as a unique model. And I think um, somewhat, I'm, I'm always a little bit surprised that when I mention it to many of our peers who care about uh, energy access, care about kind of the just transition framework and democratizing access to solar, that more often than not, the reaction I get is, who? No, I haven't heard of them. And uh, so I, I, I do feel like the, the story is a bit under, under told to some extent um, and that it is, it is a pretty unique uh, approach and has taken um, you know, real kind of creativity to redesign, rethink the the process by which solar is sold, installed, financed, um, you know, rather than just kind of taking the the boilerplate uh, approach that others have. Thank you. Well, with that, I. Um, I want to thank uh, everyone that joined today. Uh, the information for uh, for Tom and his colleagues was uh, shared. I encourage you to follow up with them and uh, ask questions or get get engaged with the great work that they that they have been doing. So thank you, Tom and Anair, for making the time to be on this webinar today with us. And for those on the line, uh, thank you to our members. And for others, if you're interested in joining the network or if you'd like more information, please reach out to us, um, uh, transformfinance.org, or you can write me or Kurt at uh, Kurt at transformfinance.org. 
So thank you very much, everyone, and congratulations, Tom, to you and your team for all the fantastic work that you're doing. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.